May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking together at the story of Abraham and Sarah, uh, of this amazing uh, story which uh, takes us uh, from really almost the very beginnings of Scripture uh, to uh, the start of the people of Israel. And uh, we've thought a bit about the call uh, of Abraham. We've thought quite a lot about the covenant. We were reminded about uh, uh, some of the shortcuts which Abraham uh, tried to take, he and Sarah together. We've been, we remembered the story of the three visitors that came to see Abraham and Sarah. We, uh, we went to the, uh, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, Paul led us through that. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, Philippa uh, gave us a really uh, wonderful, uh, in, sort of dramatic uh, reading of the, uh, the story of the offering of Isaac. These are amazing stories, and each in their own way can bless and encourage and uh, build us up in our faith. But I wondered if we could just take a few moments this morning to sort of take, take the long view, sort of back through this story and say, what, what have we learned? What are the big things that we can take from this story to uh, nourish us in our faith? Um, and I'd like to offer three things. Now, you may have others, uh, and, and a bit later in our service, we will have uh, some time when people can, can perhaps uh, share a bit about what this story has meant to them and how it has blessed and encouraged them. But, but these are just some reflections of my own. Firstly, I think we have seen again that the Lord is the God of promise. When he first calls Abraham, these are the words he says. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Lord is promising blessing to Abraham. The promise that he will become a great nation, which of course then blossoms forth into the promise of a son. The promise that his family will grow, become more numerous than the sand or the, under his feet or the stars in the sky. He promises them protection and ultimately comes to promise them a land of their own. And all these individual promises are, as it were, bound up in one big promise, the covenant, the commitment of the Lord to Abraham, to his family, and to the generations that will come. These are some of the words that the Lord says to Abraham in chapter 17. This is my covenant to, with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You will be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. 
I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. Full of promise, full of blessing. And we know that he kept his promise. But I did want to pause there and ask you a question. Do you believe that the Lord wants to bless you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but actually, I want you to stay with that question. Do you believe the Lord wants to bless you? Because I think, particularly if you've been in the faith a little while, and perhaps you've been in and around church a little while, you may have quite a strong sense of duty, quite a strong sense of service, quite a strong sense of what the Lord calls you to do for him. You may have just got slightly out of focus. I may just have got slightly out of focus that the Lord wants to bless you. The Lord wants to give you good things. The Lord wants to give you life in all its fullness. The Lord wants to give you a sense of peace and security. The Lord wants to give you this wonderful, wonderful gift of self-esteem because you find out who you are in him, enabling you to walk tall because you are a child of God, delivered from sin and delivered from fear. The Lord wants you to know who you are in him. And most of us, if we're honest, can soon find voices, whether from outside or from in, that will criticize, that will tell us we are less than we would like to be, that will tell us that we are less than God tells us who we are. So I really do want to urge you to pause at that question. Do you believe the Lord wants to bless you? Because if you do, then you will look to him and seek his blessings. Seek the good things that he has in store for you. Does the Lord want to bless you? Now, that's the first thing I think we have found, I think, is the promise of blessing. The second thing I want you to, to have a think about is the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. Now, I know you're probably thinking, oh, you're going to tell us all about how good and lovely and wonderful God is. And he is. Don't get me wrong. He is. But stay with me. Okay, just stay with me. The Lord does honor Abraham and Sarah. He does. He keeps them safe in their travels. He delivers them from hostile kings. Abraham wins at least one major battle, military battle, to rescue his nephew Lot. He hears his prayers so that Lot is delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, there is the gift of Isaac. The Lord is faithful. But you know, it's an awful lot easier to see that from where we stand than from where they stood. 
some 4,000 years later, we can look back, can't we, and see the faithfulness of God in providing Isaac and then Jacob and then his 12 sons and, and Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and Andrew Lloyd Webber and all these things that happen afterwards, okay? We can see that. They couldn't. And at the end of all their travelings, what do they have? They have a son. And at, right at the end, they have a tiny piece of property. That story that Huda read for us is important, not just because it is the intimate and, and, and very personal grieving of Abraham for his wife, but it's important and it's told to us in great detail because that is the first thing that Abraham owns. The rest of the time, he has been a nomad. A wealthy nomad, a respected nomad, a nomad with lots of animals and herds and people and all the rest of it, but he is a nomad. He does not have a home and this is the first bit of property he is able to buy in the promised land. So think. Think about how they might feel. All these amazing promises given to them. And what do they get? A son and a field. Did God keep his promises? Yes. Did they have to be faithful? Yes. Did it look impressive? A bit. But not very. Was God faithful? Yes, of course he was. But it may not have been the all bells, all whistles, all glorious that we might have wanted it to be if we had been Abraham and Sarah. The Lord is faithful deeply and profoundly. But in some ways, it looked very little. Maybe there is a lesson for us all there. The Lord is faithful to us. He will keep his promises. He wants to bless us. But maybe we too are called just to play our part in this story, to be our piece in the jigsaw, our piece in the chain. And it may not be as wonderful and glorious and, and all singing and dancing as we might want it to be, but that doesn't mean that God is not faithful. He is. They are his purposes, his plans, and he can see the big picture. God wants to bless. The Lord is faithful. And Abraham and Sarah obey. But it is a very human obedience. As Abraham and Sarah receive this call, receive this blessing, receive this covenant, touch and begin to taste the faithfulness of God, there are moments when they behave very strangely. Twice, Abraham passes Sarah off as his sister in what looks like fairly naked self-preservation. 
He's worried that if people think that she's his wife, that they'll kill him and take her for themselves. Whereas if, he's this, if they're just brother and sister, they won't bother killing him. They'll just take her. Anyone try to pass their spouse off as their brother or sister? I don't think it's going to end well. I don't think it's going to end well. They did it. He did it twice, okay? Then there's the whole episode with Hagar. Hagar is Sarah's uh, maidservant, and as the years go on and there's, there's no sign of a child, Sarah says, would you like to take Hagar? And maybe this is the way. And then Ishmael is born. And yes, Ishmael will be blessed, is blessed. But the Lord makes it very clear. This is blessing. The covenant will come through you and Sarah. You see, they try and take these shortcuts. It's very human obedience, very mixed up, very fall-shortedness, if, you, if that's, that's not a word, but anyway, you know what I mean. Then there's the story of when these mysterious three visitors come to see them. And, uh, and there's something about these three visitors that, that Abraham immediately sees is, is special, is different. They are at the very least angelic, if not the Lord himself visiting them. And, and they, they, they cook up a meal and, they, and, and they, uh, they look after them really, really well. And at the end, they promise this time next year I'll come back and Sarah will have a child. And do you remember what Sarah does? Tell me what Sarah does. She laughs. She laughs. And then one of them says, why did you laugh? And do you know what Sarah does then? Do you know what she says? I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. It's great, isn't it? No, it wasn't me. Somebody else laughing in the background here, okay? It's very, very human, isn't it? There's lots of shortcomings, lots of contradictions, lots of moments when it all feels quite messy. The point is, this doesn't affect the ultimate outcome. The Lord's purposes are not frustrated. The new nation is begun and the foundation is laid for this story, our story, his story. Jesus comes from this family to renew and fulfill and extend the covenant. This story speaks of the Lord's capacity to take halting and imperfect obedience and wrap it into his purposes. Which is another way of saying the Lord can keep his promises even when we mess up. And isn't that a wonderful, wonderful thing? The Lord can keep his promises even when we mess up. The Lord wants to bless and this story is full of blessing. The Lord is faithful. He keeps his promises. People do obey, but they obey in a messy, very human way. Maybe all the Lord really looks for in us is the same willingness that he looked for in Abraham and Sarah. You may remember the start in Genesis chapter 12. They're in this place called Haran. They're in this city, sort of northern Syria type way. 
Uh, his dad has got them so far. They left Ur. They got so far and then they stopped. And the Lord calls to them and says, leave this and go to the land I'll show you. And if Abraham and Sarah do one thing right, it's that they do that. They leave Haran and they travel to the promised land. And I wonder whether perhaps one of the take-home messages from this story is that what the Lord looks for is our willingness to take a punt, to have a go, to get out of the boat, to leave our comfort zone and give it a try. Because once we do that, anything is possible in his hands. You know, it's really hard to steer something that's standing still. Once it's moving, you can steer it. And I wonder if that is a bit like us and the Lord. What is he calling you to do? What is that moment of stepping out? Is it taking that job or applying for that job? Or possibly, even more frighteningly, giving up that job? Is it that college or university? Is it starting that thing in your school or your workplace? Is it writing that letter to the person that you need to forgive? Is it volunteering at the Springfield Project or stepping forward in some ministry or role? Is it knocking on that neighbor's door? Is it doing something which has nothing to do with these buildings whatsoever, but is still what he is calling you to do? I don't know what that is for you. Under God's guidance, he can lead you into what that is. And just as Abraham and Sarah set off and then the faithfulness and the blessing and the goodness of God flowed in and through them, so maybe he is calling you to set off and then the blessing and the faithfulness and the goodness will be seen in and through you. You may well know this story. In 1800, a 15-year-old girl, 15-year-old Welsh girl named Mary Jones walked 26 miles through the rugged terrain of North Wales to buy a Welsh Bible. She was so determined to have a Bible in her own language that she had saved up for six years since she was nine years old. And she walked to Bala and she bought a Welsh Bible. The people who saw it were so impressed that they thought everyone should have the possibility of having their own Bible. And people talked to people and eventually they found their way to William Wilberforce and the Bible Society was born but it started with Mary Jones walking 26 miles to buy a Bible in Welsh. 
What might the Lord ask you to do? To step out and to feel his goodness. Amen.